This is an ABC podcast. What's your working style? And how much do you attribute your age to it? Maybe you're a baby boomer nearing the end of your working life, or perhaps you're Gen Z and just starting out. Hello, I'm Lisa Leong, and as a Generation Xer, I've heard a few assumptions about the working styles of baby boomers and millennials. Now, sometimes they are wistful, but very often they can be less than flattering. On this episode of This Working Life, we look beyond the stereotypes and we explore what it means to work in a modern, multi-generational workplace and how we can all get along better. Holly Ransom is CEO of strategic advisory firm Emergent. She's a Fulbright scholar doing her Masters of Public Policy at Harvard and she's a member of the Millennial Generation. I asked Holly for her reflections on being a millennial leader and she answered via Skype in an Uber in Boston. Hello, Lisa. How are you? Good. What are some of the major lessons you've learned in the workplace about what makes a great leader, Holly? Uh, Look, it's a really good question. And I think one of the things that's fascinating about the time period that we're in is I don't think we ever had more conversations about leadership than I feel like we've had in the, in the last few years in terms of how it's it's under threat, how it's being challenged, how there's pressure on it to be reimagined in a, in a new context and responding to an entirely new set of challenges and problems. So I think it's in a pretty state, a pretty interesting state of dynamic flux at the moment. But one of the things I'd certainly say from, from my experience, and this is probably coming with my generational lens on too, I think there's certainly a, a need to be able to articulate a compelling purpose um, beyond the bottom line. So, uh, you know, a notion of, of why you exist as a leader, why an organisation exists um, that really motivates and connects with the people that you're trying to engage and take on a journey. Um, I think second to that is uh, an embodiment of your values. And I think this is something millennials really hold leaders' feet to the fire on. So it's not just the ability <laughs> to talk it, it's the, uh, the demonstration of it in action. And so do you see that there's a generational difference when it comes to leadership styles then, Holly? I think you definitely see generational differences. And I I actually think it'd be troubling if we didn't. I mean, uh, generationally, by virtue purely of the passing of time, you've got leaders that are having to respond to entirely new social phenomenon, to entirely different, um, you know, situations, entirely different demographic challenges, you name it. So I'd be worried if leadership still looked like what it did in the 1900s. Actually, I, I think... Sometimes we view the generational difference as being overplayed or being a negative thing, but I think it's incumbent on every generation to take the lessons and 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 learn from the history and the, the great points of what's gone before, but also challenge themselves to, to reimagine things. And definitely right now, I think part of what we're challenged by in the workplace is sort of these five generations under one roof mm. and this notion of how do we get a, a unified sense of leadership when we do have some very fundamentally different approaches um, coming to play at the same time. And Holly, have you ever been a boss to older people? I have, yeah. Um, in fact, it's very, very young. One of my first jobs, I, I worked in hospitality for years in event management, sort of from when I was 15 to, to 19. And uh, from about three months in, was was uh, fortunate to be given the challenge of, of being in a, in a management position where more often than not, I'd be leading people, you know, um, two to three times my age. Um, so wow. absolutely, I, I'm... 
um, had all sorts of opportunities to be a, a colleague, um, to be in a management position. I learned so much. I actually probably didn't appreciate till much later in my career how lucky I was to have the, um, the incredible initiation by fire that is hospitality from a learning curve. Uh, like one of the things I always respected about the people that I worked for during that period, and I think I tried to certainly take on board myself, was this notion that no one was ever... Um, above rolling their sli- rolling their sleeves up and, and getting dirty and doing the work themselves. And I think that notion of everyone being in it together and everyone being prepared to put skin in the game and, and demonstrate a level of commitment to the, the common cause was probably one of the greatest lessons too. I think one of the challenges we've had perhaps with the hierarchical model of leadership that we kind of built and um, optimised during the industrial age was this notion that we, um, we grow out of perhaps our ability to be close to the coalface or... Um, our preparedness to be able to do certain tasks. So we become more distant from the customer, we become more distant from some of the day-to-day activity. So I think that notion of always being prepared to roll up your sleeves and be a part of it was was really critical. Thank you so much, Holly Ransom. And as a millennial, being on the move, in transit and in a taxi service (laughs) in Boston. So thank you so much, Holly. (laughs) I appreciate you having me. Now, to discuss these issues further, we've got a bit of a demographic smorgasbord for you today. I'm joined by demographer Mark McCrindle, who's a Gen Xer. We've got Alicia Stevenson, who is Director of Generational Dynamics at Incorp and a millennial herself, and also James Pearson. He's the CEO of the Australian Chamber of Commerce and Sorry, James, to out you like this, but you're representing the older workers among us as a baby boomer. Welcome all. I resemble, thank you, I resemble that (laughs) remark. (laughs) Mark McCrindle, are we in a bit of a unique moment in time in terms of how many generations are potentially in the one workplace? Yeah, we are. We do have more generations in the workplace, as Holly said, five under the one roof, partly because we're living longer and in this longevity boom, we're therefore younger, longer and able to work later in life. So we've actually got a wider age range of people in employment now, and that's going to continue to grow because it's a knowledge economy. You can work later. It doesn't just depend on physical health. And uh, and secondly, we've got a contraction in a lot of ways of the generations. We define them as being about 15 years in span. So that means we really pack in a lot more generations in the workplace (laughs) these days. And how different does that make the modern workplace, do you think? Well, very different, not only because we've got more generations than ever. We have always had different generations at work, but these days the generations aren't stratified based on age, which used to be the case. You know, in the past when you had other generations, normally the older generations ran the show, the middle age or middle generations were in the the middle roles and the younger generations were on the factory floor or the front desk, and uh, that's all changed now. Not only are all the generations mixing at all levels, but as we alluded in that previous discussion, you know, you've got younger people leading older people. You've got older people uh, leading across multiple generations and older people coming in to new positions as they career change. And uh, even though they're new to the role, they've had more experience and are older. So this big alphabet soup of generations (laughs) mixing at all levels. Can we discern a difference in leadership style between generations? Mm. Yeah, we've looked a lot at this and what shapes our expectation of leadership is what we experienced when we began our own career. And so the baby boomers, uh, you know, definitely saw more of a structured leadership approach because that's just how things were and you had to rise up the ranks over time back in the day. And so that more 
command and control model, that more hierarchical approach was what they saw and to some extent started with, although they've very much adapted, and us Gen Xers uh, experienced more, I guess, a, a leader-centric role. The, the leader was delegating, coordinating. They weren't necessarily, you know, chain of command top-down in approach, but nonetheless, it was very leader-centric. These days, though, we've got a whole generation that are co-creators, they're collaborators. Mm-hmm. They they, they want to share their voice and their input from day one, and so they definitely want more of this uh empowering and flat structured approach to leadership so they're the different styles and each generation has began their career uh, with with one of those particular approaches you're a gen xer like me where does our generation sit mark well we we are the perfect generation of course (laughs) bridging and creating (laughs) unity across all the rest Um, and facetiously i say that but in a lot of ways it's true you know that the gen xr did come into the workplace uh under the old rules of the game you know Mm. where you respected the boss you played by the rules you 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 studied hard you earned your right over time but we've also seen very quickly emerging with the younger generation and through our own children or or that next generation in our experience that, that the world has changed and we actually need to be adaptive and we need to listen to the young ones and and so we have uh, I guess fortunately uh, seen these changes come about early into our leadership experience enough to adjust and adapt and uh, and probably see a little bit of the perspective from each side you, you don't get the Gen Xers decrying the this gen, younger generation as much as you know sometimes you hear from the from the older set um, because I, I think we have been able to see the benefits of how it was and the experience and the structure but also very importantly the adaption and collaboration that this next generation brings. Alicia Stevenson Mm. what do you make of the kind of stereotypes that are being bandied about here particularly about your generation the millennials do you think some of them are unfair? Um, I, look, I think stereotypes can be a little bit dangerous uh, and I obviously think that as a millennial, you know, we talked about the smashed avocado jokes. I think what uh, Mark's talking about though with Gen X is is, uh, is quite accurate. They sort of seem to be sitting in the middle so that stereotype's not not too bad from that side. In terms of millennials being, um, I've heard terms like um, a bit aloof or, or failing to lead or, or wanting that flat hierarchy and not necessarily wanting to be authoritarian, wanting to be too um, too collaborative in, in place of making decisions. And uh, I think uh, in terms of some of the stereotypes, they can be correct, but there are lots of reasons for them. Um, you know, some of the smashed average jokes and things like that are not, not necessarily correct and we need to start moving away from them, but we need to start, as Mark contributes quite well to with what he does with McCrindle, to understand the reasons why generations are different. Gen X's, if you will, started to put the accelerator on into the change in the workplace and how we look at that both in terms of flexible working started to come in really strongly with Gen X's and a start of sort of flattening of the hierarchy came in with Gen X's, a move to the physical workplace and how that manifests in terms of starting to change started to come in with Gen X's. And we're seeing that ramped up now from that start of acceleration to what we see now with a complete change of the physical environment, a complete change of how we communicate with each other and a complete change of working styles. So what you're actually asking millennials to do in terms of leading now and coming into leadership now is to lead in an ever-changing environment and a very, very fast-changing or fast-paced moving environment. 
And so what they're needing to do is really at the same time, they're having to flatten that hierarchy out so they can learn as they move. So mm. millennials learn leadership, obviously, as Mark said, by doing and by seeing. Now, if we're considering that they're changing jobs quite rapidly in their sort of formative years of leadership style, or as we did, as I did, and as Holly did, you're learning on the go as you go. And each leadership style and each different industry and each different place that you move into is going to mean different ages of people, uh, different styles of working, and it's going to need a different leadership requirement from you. Alicia, your job title is Director of Generational Dynamics. Yep. Can you explain what that is? Okay. So uh, I work for a company where we design workplaces uh, and we do that for quite large companies. So for example, we will assist a company to move from um, a traditional office-based model into an agile working environment. Now there is a requirement prior to doing that to really go in and do a discovery period where you work with people that are in the environment, not only to prepare them to move into um, a different way of working, but to start to understand and empathise the needs of the different generations within that. So uh, really we treat generations um, as a form of diversity. We treat it very seriously. Um, and, you know, we treat it the same that we would cultural or gender diversity. And uh, we really start to to put all of these people together in a room and, and really start to get some education and some empathy. Hi, my name's Gary. I'm 73 years old and I've been retired for 11 years. Back in 2002 at age 56, I'd retired from a management role in the paper manufacturing industry and was intending to travel around Australia. Before we could get started, however, I was offered a contract as the supply superintendent at the largest underground copper mine in the Southern Hemisphere. My immediate boss for day-to-day -day activities was the mine manager. However, my general manager was located in St Kilda Road, Melbourne. They were both younger than me, with age gaps of maybe 15 and 20 years respectively. The difference in management styles between the generations can be pronounced. Most younger bosses will have a university degree and due to a lack of work experience, their management sometimes can rely heavily on theory. There are many different leadership styles, but I believe that the type of industry largely determines the style of leaders either recruited or developed over time. For instance, the mining industry is heavily focused on achieving production and profit goals, and a more ruthless style of management is evident. James Pearson, from your Australian Chamber of Commerce perspective and as a baby boomer, what do you think of Gary's reflections that the type of industry largely determines the style of leaders recruited and developed through time? I think Gary shared some tremendous insights just now and uh, I spent a bit of my time in the resources industry. Uh, I was lucky enough to work for a couple of uh, very large public corporations there and I was lucky because they invested a lot in my training, my professional development and generally speaking what I learned was that the greater the level of communication, the greater the level of collaboration that was encouraged, um, the more effective were the teams and then the more successful were the companies. So absolutely Gary's right in the sense that certain industries traditionally tend to have particular cultures, particular needs in terms of uh, what it takes for them to succeed. But I think increasingly that 
distinction is is fading um, because increasingly it's harder to see where one industry ends and another begins, particularly with the rise of digitization, with the rise of globalization. Uh, we find we're sometimes competing in very rapidly changing markets and the notion of who our customer is and who we're looking to, to serve in a company um, might well be quite fluid too. And in that environment, that's why businesses, Australian businesses need to embrace diversity, in this case, generational diversity, because if they don't have a good understanding of their customers, then how are they going to succeed? And if they don't uh, operate and present themselves as a workplace which younger people talented younger people want to come and work, then they'll lose out in the battle to attract the best and the brightest. And again, they won't succeed. And James, is the key to all of this understanding what then drives people and that it may differ in different stages of your life and career? Absolutely. Um, I spoke to a graduating MBA class not that long ago, and they weren't that interested in career or money, although obviously they're important. But what really made them get out of bed was um, looking for the kind of company where someone like them could feel good about working. So it was about their values. And they're making value-based decisions more and more about where they're going to choose to go and work. And you put values together with a group of people and what you come up with is is culture. And, you know, there's an old saying that, um, that uh, strategy eats tactics for breakfast. <laughs> well, I can tell you in my experience that culture eats strategy for lunch and dinner. And that's why, that's why good companies, uh, in our experience, are the ones that understand that uh, the culture that they develop, encourage and consistently maintain is often one of their critical success factors. And can you give me an example from your own career where there was a misunderstanding between generations that wasn't handled well, James? Um, look, uh, no names, no pack drill, but what I can say is uh, um, that where I've seen groups of people who have tended to come from the same background uh, and they've tended to be a roughly the same age or more appropriately experience, um, there is a risk of, of groupthink and they can very quickly um, applaud uh, one particular way of doing things and ignore the opportunity to think of alternatives. And look, where I've seen it succeed, and I always prefer to, to focus on the positive rather negative the negative is um, in planning for major projects in the resources industry where right up front uh, people are really encouraged to think of alternatives, to think of what could go wrong and to challenge the orthodoxy before people start to put serious amounts of investors' money um, onto the table. And that means often that it's not the guy or the woman with the title or the greyest hair in the room who's actually got the knowledge that's relevant. Uh, it's often the person who's younger, who then needs to be encouraged to speak out, particularly in a hierarchical environment where status is very important. Because wisdom and power doesn't always reside with the oldest person with the grandest title. And that's one of the really important things that I think we need to remember, particularly as younger people come into the workforce, is that if they've chosen you to work with, to work for, then you owe them something in terms of developing them professionally and that way you'll get the very best out of them. Hello, my name is Sylvia. What happened was is I decided to seek early retirement because I was sick of being micromanaged by managers who were half my age when I could do my job in my sleep. 
one particular boss who would have been about 30 years younger than me uh, when I was working at a community health centre and I was organising this big CD launch for the Italian elder community and he kept on following me around and kept on interrupting when I was discussing things with people. It was all completely set up, I'd been working on it for weeks, but he acted on the day as if I'd done nothing. And um, somewhere deep down I have a suspicion that a lot of it's got to do with these younger managers wanting to take credit for the work that their staff members have, have done, particularly older staff members. The best boss that I ever had <laughs> told me when I first started the job, he said, I trust you, come to me if you've got any problems and please let me know what you're doing so that when I'm asked at a meeting about your work, uh, I don't look like an idiot. Alicia Stevenson, <laughs> what do you think has gone wrong here? Look, um, it sounds like uh, she's working in a small, uh, in the community area um, with a, a single manager and not too many other people around, and I'm just making a big assumption there. Um, this complaint about uh, wanting to take credit, I haven't heard so much as I have heard that they want to partner with me and create a, uh, you know, again, coming back to that player where they want to make a team where we're all responsible for the success of something when really that's my job. We see that happen a little bit and that can be misconstrued as micromanagement. Um, uh, so this could be quite a common thing that happens. It is. I, I can yeah. tell you it is. And yeah. the reason being that uh, really good millennial managers bring two things to the table that they have inherently and one of them is not experience. Um the two things that they bring to the table are a sense of empathy with the people that they're working with. These are really good millennial managers. But they're also bringing a willingness to learn and a want to learn and an understanding that uh, where they may have a university degree or where they may have done X amount of jobs and they may now hold this title, they don't necessarily have the experience um, and sometimes the calmness or the, the ability to deal with stressful situations, obviously as well as someone that's been in that exact role in that periphery for a certain amount of years. And so really good millennial managers will come into the room and they'll say to people, uh, you know, can we work together as a team? And the reason that they're saying that is they're bringing their A game, they're bringing the things they're really good at, their empathy and they want to learn and they want to work with you. Um, but, you know, for a couple of reasons, they, you know, they might have been promoted into this role and we need millennial managers to, be, and this is the thing, we need millennial managers to be promoted into these roles uh, so that we can start to train the next generation so we can really start to get some robust, fantastic millennial leaders like Holly Ransom is. Everyone needs us to be in this position so that we can be good leaders in the future. And empathy is the key to success here. James Pearson, can this be a common experience for older workers in particular? I think older workers do face some real challenges. On the one hand, we're seeing more and more Australians um, uh, working for longer. And, uh, and Mark, you mentioned this. Uh, that's a great thing because it means that we're all healthier um, mentally, emotionally, hopefully, and physically, certainly, for longer in our lives. Um, but ageism is a real thing. Uh, and uh, we actually, not that long ago, put out a publication called Employ Outside the Box, which looked at um, all of the benefits that older workers can bring. Uh, it can be a real challenge. And look, I feel for both the, the older worker in that situation, but also to pick up Alicia's point, um, the kind of the, the younger manager that's kind of caught in the middle, who's um, maybe leading a team in a collaborative way, hopefully, of people who are both older and uh, younger than them. So many things go wrong because people 
miscommunicated, misspoke, misheard. No one meant to do the wrong thing. No one meant to say the wrong thing, but it just wasn't processed properly and mistakes got made as a result. Mark McCrindle, what kinds of strategies can be put in place to ensure people still feel valued regardless of where they are in their lives? Well, I think the first thing is to realise that this generational diversity we're discussing is so important, but that's just the first step to have that diversity because, you know, it can't just be a symbol. It's got to be seen as an asset. That is that there is a strength when we have all of the generations working together, and that has to be the focus. We have to bring unity through the diversity. And when every generation, every worker, sees that they are achieving impact towards the achievement of that vision of that organisation, that's when everyone, you know, like it footy team at the end of a game slaps each other on the back says well done we did it no one cares about your background or or your difference at that point because we have achieved something together and there is strength in each of these generations utilize that and i think you know create that that inclusion and that focus through a a compelling and aligned vision beautiful and i'm giving you all a slap on the back for being our beautiful multi-generational panel thank you all (laughs) thank you Alicia Stevenson, Director of Generational Dynamics at Incorp and past recipient of the Telstra Young Businesswoman of the Year in her home state of Victoria. James Pearson, the CEO of Australian Chamber of Commerce and Mark McCrindle. He's a demographer and author of a number of books, including The ABC of XYZ, Understanding the Global Generations. Do let us know what you think. If you're a younger boss, what's your leadership style and what challenges have you faced? Or perhaps you're an older worker. What do you make of this modern workplace? You can get in touch via our webpage. And while you're at it, please subscribe to our podcast. We'd love your company each week on This Working Life. This episode was produced by Cathy Pryor with technical production by Gareth Burnell. I'm Lisa Leong, and until next week, keep working. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.